You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. So as I was preparing for this week's sermon and reading through uh, today's lectionary, I realized how often we read these amazing stories from the Hebrew Bible or what many of us grew up calling the Old Testament, but then we don't return to them. Like, it's, it's rare to hear a sermon at House for All Sinners and Saints on one of these older stories. And, and that's because, frankly, that guy Jesus, like, always ends up stealing the show. But as I was reading the story of Samuel who, Samuel, who went to bed a boy and woke up a prophet, I realized that these stories, they're the raw material out of which our Savior weaved the gospel of freedom that is freeing us even today. These are the stories that Jesus carried in his heart and that he relied upon when the nights were long and he had just had enough. Because on those days when he had dealt with just one too many senators or seminary presidents or tele-evangelists who just couldn't believe that God would slip into human skin in order to set people free, it was to these stories, like the stories of Noah and Jonah and Hannah and Samuel that Jesus turned to for the strength to keep going and for the wisdom to keep breaking open hard hearts one person at a time. So I thought, if this is where Jesus turned in order to cast the mighty down from their thrones and lift up the lowly, then maybe it's time at House for All Sinners and Saints for a good old Bible story sermon. So here we go. The story of the conflict-avoidant pastor, his two asshole sons, and a church intern. (laughs) Now, this story starts a few chapters before the reading we heard this morning, but it's helpful for you to know what happened before. So once upon a time, there was a pastor named Eli who had two sons, and Eli's sons were not just your run-of-the-mill mischievous pastor's kids, They were contenders for the Worst Pastor's Kids Ever Award because, true story, not only did they have a little problem with stealing the best fried chicken from the church potluck, and that's literally, almost literally, what the text says. (laughs) There is some stuff about forks and dipping it in boiling meat and stuff. It's very interesting. But So they had this little problem with fried chicken, but... um, Before the liturgy, they'd also hang out by the door and see how many of the young women they could convince to skip church and engage in an altogether totally different spiritual practice. (laughs) But like a lot of pastors, Eli was conflict avoidant. And so when he finally found out why so many women were missing from church, he didn't exactly come down hard. He, he wimped out. But God was taking notes. 
and so was the church. And as the years went by, folks got angrier and angrier that Eli seemed to care more about protecting his son's right to party than helping those in need. And so one night, Eli was asleep in the parsonage, and the only other person who was there was the new church intern named Samuel. Now, Samuel was a hard worker. He did what he was told, but he was no pastor. He didn't have a degree from Iliff Seminary. He hadn't taught the scriptures backwards and forwards. Samuel hadn't earned his right to hear the voice of God like Eli had. He was just a kid. He was just a nobody. And yet, that night, while, while this nobody, not even a pastor kid, is sleeping, he hears somebody call out his name. Samuel. Samuel. And he jumps out of bed and he runs to Eli, but Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed, little boy. And so he goes back to bed until it happens again, and again Eli says he didn't call him. But then after Samuel wakes up for the third time and comes running, Eli has one of those, oh shit, that's God moments. Because that old priest with his degree from Iliff Seminary and his thousands of sermons tucked under his arm realizes that this boy, this no good, nobody, not even a pastor boy, suddenly has the one thing Eli has been searching for his whole life and cannot find. In fact, it's the one thing that the entire nation has been searching for and cannot find because the book of Samuel says that the word of the Lord was rare in those days, Visions were not widespread. And yet, God gives her word to this young child, to this, to this nobody. God grants direct access to truth with a capital T. The truth that he's evaded kings and presidents, priests and pastors, lawyers and pundits is revealed to a child. And more than that, Truth is revealed to a child who is sleeping. He's not even working for it. Like, he's not even a child down on his hands and knees begging for God to give him a sign. Samuel is a child who is sleeping, and he doesn't even know what he's heard when he hears it. But doesn't this make sense? I mean, I don't know about all of you, but whenever I've felt I've heard the voice of God, it's it's usually not coming directly out of myself, nor from the people and places that claim a monopoly on God's word. Rather, it's been the unexpected people and places, these unexpected people and places that awaken my soul and give me my own, oh shit, that's God, moments. Like, there was that time that I desperately needed to get sober, but didn't know how until a guy I had been chatting with in an online dating site saw me trying to wash off my shame in a laundromat, and then he invited me to my first AA meeting. Or when I lived in San Francisco, the voice of God often sounded a lot like the gravelly, deep voice of Billy, a very, a very old-school Marsha P. Johnson-era trans woman who didn't give a flip about what anybody thought, 
and was one of the many trans women on the front lines of the LGBTQ liberation movement, but Billy had this certain knack for always being right around the corner and was always bumping into me in the street, and every time she'd find a way to make me uncomfortable because she would always find a way to remind me that I am both loved beyond measure and still screwed up beyond measure. But even though her words always stung a little, I knew they were truth with a capital T. I knew they came straight from God because here's the thing, the the word of God always stings, if only a little bit. And sometimes it stings a lot because God wants more for us. God wants the best for us. And even though God loves us beyond measure, God wants us to be free, completely free to enjoy that love. And so we know it is the voice of God when the love stings. We know it is God when we are reminded that Flint still doesn't have clean water and that black bodies are still terrorized and that undocumented residents still fear leaving their homes. Because God doesn't make her voice heard just to keep us comfortable with the status quo. Like in today's story of Eli and Samuel, God speaks to wake us up, to arouse our awareness that our life stretches way beyond the limits of our individual lives and the lives of just our kids or our partners and our friends. Because Eli, he thinks he can slip through this life avoiding conflict and maintaining his son's privilege. But God cares too much about the lives of Eli's congregation. God cares too much about all the lives that he and his sons have stepped on over the years. And so in the middle of the night, he wakes up a little boy, a no good, nobody, not even a pastor little boy, and delivers a word and And here comes my favorite part in the story, the part where Eli's like, curses on you and your family if you don't tell me what God said. And Samuel is like, well, you're really not going to like this. (laughs) But remember that whole thing about your son stealing the fried chicken and sleeping with all the women in the church? God didn't like that so much, so just be prepared. (laughs) But honestly, my absolutely favorite part is actually how Eli responds to learning that God will smite his family for generations to come. Eli says, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. I mean, if I had just heard that God was going to judge me and my family for generations, I'd at least start by running in the opposite direction. But Eli, he seems oddly at peace with this news. Like it's as if Eli knows that This word comes from God because it stings. And from that punch in the gut, he recognizes that it's true. I certainly know from my own experience how the truth can hurt. But then in the wake of that pain, my heart gets broken open and I can breathe free again. Because God wants me to be free of all the stuff that's weighing me down and to free others from all the ways that my actions weigh them down. And the only way that that can begin to happen is by God telling me the truth. 
And when we know the truth, that's when God can really use us. That's when we become really dangerous and the walls between us start crumbling and the chains fall off and the old world begins to pass away. And we know this because just a few hundred years after Samuel, another child was born and through this nobody, no good, not even a pastor, son of a backwoods carpenter, the word of God took on flesh and lived among us. He broke bread with prostitutes and tax collectors healed the sick and proclaimed good news to the poor. He stopped at nothing to draw the whole world to himself. And even now that same Jesus stops at nothing to draw us in. He speaks through children, random dudes in laundromats, in chat rooms and in streets. His word, truth with a capital T, is close at hand. And though it may sting... It is for our healing and our freedom that he speaks. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen.